Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. We'll be reading verses 1 to 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who uh, need no repentance. Or, what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. When I was 27 years old, I got glasses for the first time. Traffic signals took on new meaning. When <laughs> uh, the countryside looked beautiful. It was kind of a life-changing experience. I've heard uh, people that have cataract surgery uh, say the same kind of things. They begin to see all kinds of things that they hadn't seen before. And today, I want us to see through Jesus' eyes. I want us to get the eyes of Jesus so that we can see our surroundings the way they really are. Now, the problem in this passage here is that the Pharisees see sinners coming to Jesus. Uh, and they even accuse him of eating with them, which for a Pharisee, would be the ultimate charge. Uh, Luke chapter 14 tells us uh, what Jesus' message was. It's the cost of discipleship, that you have to love him so much that uh, love for your family, your wife, your husband, is like hate. Uh, it's hyperbole. Uh, Matthew makes it a little nicer when he says it. But uh, Luke uh, puts it that you have to um, hate your family and love Jesus, love God. And then he says, you need to count the cost before you start. Uh, and then he gives two parables about um, a king that was going out to battle and had to decide whether he had enough troops to fight the king that was coming against him with double the number, or a man building a tower and uh, he runs out of money 
and can't finish the tower and everybody makes fun of him. In that culture, to make fun of somebody, that means they're outside your group. They're, uh, you don't have to take them into account anymore. It's the ultimate problem. Uh, when you read the prophets, God uh, often will tell Israel, I'm going to put you to shame. That's far worse in Hebrew culture than uh, to uh, take away someone's money or even death. Being put to shame is the ultimate tragedy. And Jesus says, I want you to count the cost. I want you to know what you're getting into before you come to me. And here in chapter 15, sinners are coming to him. This is exciting. The Pharisees don't like it, though. And so Jesus tells them two new parables. Now, you should know that parables are kind of like uh, TV ad ads. Uh, the deal is they want you to know something, and then they want you to do something. Uh, parables are not just for information. They are for life changes. And so he tells the parable of the, the lost sheep and the lost coin and the um, shepherd going out and finding the sheep, coming home happy, throwing a party, celebrating. And uh, the woman who lost her coin, now don't think American house, think Hebrew house. Uh, they, uh, most of the houses had uh, uh, dirt floors and particularly in colder weather, they, they would uh, strew the, uh, the floor with uh, straw for insulation so that it wouldn't be so cold. And if you lost a coin in all that straw in the house, it was hard to find. This meant a lot of house cleaning to get that thing. And she found it, and once again she celebrates, brings in her friends, and they throw a party. Jesus shows us a new way to look at sinners. They are lost and need finding. In Matthew uh, chapter 9, Jesus says, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus is going after sinners. The lost sheep and the lost coin. But then Jesus shows us a new way to look at God. God is like the shepherd. God is like the woman. He gives value. He does not recognize it. Uh, I became aware of that, I guess, the first time as a freshman in college. Um, we were... Uh, not the best Christians in the world. And uh, so uh, my uh, group of friends walked around campus and evaluating all the different girls that we saw, uh, which one was prettier and so forth. And um, we would uh, make comments, that's really a nice looking girl there. <laughs> but there was one guy in our group, this guy Bill from Pennsylvania, and he said, yeah, she's pretty nice looking, but <laughs> my girlfriend, Jenny, boy, she's beautiful. 
So this happened time after time, and pretty soon we began to look for some girl that could put Bill in his place. And uh, no matter who we brought up, he would say, yes, she's really nice, but Jenny, oh, oh, oh boy, if you knew Jenny, she's beautiful. Well, in the spring of the year, that happened. She came to visit him, and we couldn't wait. Uh, we were all uh, going to go down to the bus station when she arrived, and we had already figured out some jokes we were going to tell, and put Bill in his place when, the, when the, his girlfriend was there with him. Well, the bus pulled in. There we were all around Bill, and uh, people get off the bus, and then Jenny gets off the bus. We were stunned. She was ugly. <laughs> she was ugly. Uh, she had this mousy brown kind of hair, uh, freckles, kind of a short nose. Her teeth were all there, but it's where they were placed. <laughs> I'm exaggerating a little bit, but she was not pretty at all. Well, all of our jokes died immediately, and we're not going to tell any jokes now. And Bill goes running up to her, gives her a kiss, and turns around to us, and he says, here she is, fellas. Isn't she beautiful? And we were all standing there. Uh, she's quite a girl. It's about the best we could do. So we kind of um, walked back to campus with them, and we ate lunches with them. Uh, they usually uh, went off campus for the evening meal to spend time together. But uh, she was there for a week. And we spent time with them, particularly over lunches. And something remarkable happened during that week. We began to see Jenny through Bill's eyes. And she became beautiful to us. She was beautiful. And God is like that. He doesn't recognize value. He gives value. You can see that um, with children and their favorite toys. Our son Andy is a little tyke. Uh, uh, we got to take him to SeaWorld on, on one uh, uh, missionary home assignment. And uh, we bought him a, a stuffed uh, dolphin, about this big, just about as big as he was. And uh, he would sleep with that dolphin and carry it around in the house had gradually changed color from his dirty hands. But he loved it. And it was precious to him. And God loves his people. They are precious to him. He made the world with a purpose. He made human beings with a purpose. And they sinned and got lost. And God is a Searching God, looking for his people to bring them home. Romans uh, chapter 5 says, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Uh, that word propitiation is not not a normal English word, but the idea is 
It changes God's attitude and takes away our sin. It atones us. It brings us together. God loved us and sent his son to change his attitude toward us and our attitude toward him. But Jesus shows us a new way to look at ourselves. Uh, we are the lost sheep and the lost coin. We find God because he finds us. We've uh, had uh, three sessions together with Ecclesiastes. Uh, one of the big points was God's providence. He's in control of everything, which bothered uh, the, the preacher. God's in control of everything, and I don't know what he's after. And then in Ruth, one of the big things we saw there was God's purpose. God answers prayer, and God takes care of his people. God has a purpose. His providence is working in the world. He controls all things to fulfill his purposes for his people. And today, we're looking at God's love. God loves his people, and he is committed to them. It's his love is unconditional, it's eternal, it's sacrificial. God being God, there's no way you can change his mind. There's nothing you can do to make him change his mind. When he has a purpose, he's going to fulfill it. When he says he loves his people, he's going to love them. And I loved uh, one of the testimonies this morning Love is an action word. Love is action. It's a verb. And love is the only word in the whole Bible, the only abstract noun that is used as an equivalent for God. God is love. Uh, there was an economics professor at uh, Covenant who had a, a little Datsun, a, a flimsy car, uh, you slammed the door and you were afraid the parts were going to come off. But on the front of his car, he had this uh, black sign with white letters in it, God is wrath. And he drove that car all around uh, Chattanooga. Well, that's really not the best characteristic of, of God. God has wrath, but God is love. You don't find any other abstract noun equated with God. And his love is unconditional, eternal, sacrificial. Now let's take just a brief look at the third parable to finish off God's message to the Pharisees. He talks about the parable of the prodigal son, the loving father, and the elder brother. And uh, since the story is so familiar, I'll just uh, give it in a couple of sentences. Uh, the younger brother asks for his uh, inheritance and takes it away and spends it the way he wants to in a foreign country. And then two tragedies hit him. His money runs out and there's a famine. And so he's beginning to suffer big time, finally gets a job, but the job doesn't come with, uh, with food. 
and here he's feeding pigs. Uh, Jesus has made this story about as bad as it could be for a Jew. Imagine having to feed pigs. And uh, so he uh, comes to himself and he realizes, even the servants with my father have enough to eat. And here I am dying. I'll go back and, and I will uh, say, Father, I have sinned against heaven. That's another way for saying I've sinned against God and you. And I'm just not worthy to be your son. Uh, but make me like one of your servants. So he goes back. And before he can get to the house, the father comes running out to him. Countercultural, you don't run in Hebrew society. It's not dignified. So his father goes running out to meet him and uh, puts his arms around him. And the son starts his little message. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father says, Let's celebrate. Bring out new clothes for this boy and bring in the fatted calf and kill it. And so they have a big celebration and the elder brother come, comes in and he hears music and dancing. This is a big celebration going on in there. So he calls out a servant to find out what's going on and it makes him furious. He's really angry and the father also comes out to him and talks with him. And the elder brother says, this son of yours has spent all your inheritance on prostitutes and bad living, and here you are throwing a party for him. You never gave me a party. Here I've been working for you all these years. You never gave me a party. And the elder brother is talking about duty, not love. He's been a dutiful son, but not a loving son. And it's not his brother, it's his father's son he's talking about. And the father turns it all around and says, this brother of yours was lost and now he's found. Everything I have is yours. Imagine that. All these years he's been a dutiful son, not realizing all of the privileges he had. He's not lived with his father as a loving son, taking advantage of all the gifts his father wanted to give him. And the parable ends there, not knowing what the elder son finally does. The elder son, of course, pictures the Pharisees. And you see, in these three parables, all of us appear one way or another. You're either the lost coin you're like a Pharisee and the elder brother, or you've come in the family of Jesus and you have the love of God and you're looking for sinners. You remember last week when we talked about our kinsman redeemer in Isaiah chapter 54, it says, your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer, the God of the whole earth, he's called. The church is the bride of Christ. Our Savior has called us his family, his very body. He loves us, and he loves the lost. 
In the spring of the year at Covenant, strange things often happened. Uh, you get these soccer players that um, you're not sure how often they're, they wash their clothes, running around campus, kind of swinging their muscle, muscly arms. And suddenly you find one of them talking about curtains. Why would he start talking about curtains and furnishing a house? Fallen in love. And he suddenly loves the things that the person he loves loves. Jesus has loved us and brought us to himself. And we just can't help loving the same kinds of things that Jesus loves. And Jesus has told us he loves sinners. The, I hope the Pharisees repented and stopped doing duty and started loving their God and therefore their Savior. And it's my message to you today to be grateful and to be in party mode because we can celebrate our salvation, but also to be seeking because Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold and I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so that there will be one flock and one shepherd. Every sinner that comes in is reason for a new party and I love parties. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you have sought us out and through providence have brought us to yourself. We love you and we want to be like you. And we pray, O oh Lord, that by your spirit, you will fill us with your love so that we can show what Jesus is like to the world before us. And we ask this great blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.